do you think the most expensive thing you own that isn't like a car or technology is? Like most expensive bullshit frivolous thing you own? Because like my car is probably the most expensive thing I own at this point. Yeah, probably. But like, I'm trying to think like what rare shit I have. Like I have autographed things, but I don't know. They're not like anything special. Like that Swamp Thing number 37 over there is worth like 150 bucks, but that's not that bad. Yeah. And like, but like, granted, it's like a a thirty page comic book, yeah. So it's kind of ridiculous for a comic. I believe it says the original price on it. I just punched the fuck out of this. Yeah, don't do that either. Yeah, I believe that it has the original price on it at at like a dollar or something. Mm. So like, the inflation on that's pretty fucking great. But um, I don't. I'm trying to think. I don't think I have anything that that uh that expensive. Like I said, I have signed things. I have like signed yeah. things from bands. I have yeah, signed I things like a, from. Like, I got like a Stan Lee signature, but like. Yeah, I have Goku and Vegeta, but like, they're not that, and they're on like normal, like that on nothing special. I don't have. I don't feel like I have any like rare, rare games. No, I mean I'd like to own a copy of Earthbound, but even. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of, of those I would like to own, too. But, but, like, even, like, a copy of Earthbound, that's only, like, it's not much more than that comic book over there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not anywhere near that box. Yeah, and the other thing is, like, I got that Swamp Thing number 37. My full-sized Green Lantern cost more than that. That's 200 bucks. Oh, damn. Yeah. Which is why it's like, gets top priority in my shelf of cool things. Yeah. Like, that ain't fucking cheap. As it should and, like, the statue that Casey has coming for me is, like, 202 or something like that. Damn. Yeah, she fucking went all out for my Christmas present. I didn't. I felt like an asshole. <laughs> um, yeah, I really don't know. Like, I don't think... I don't have any rare cards. Um, I don't have any... Like, rare, I don't have any rare games. I mean, I have, like... I have all the old Pokemon games. I even have green, but like, they're all out of the box. Yeah, then so not. it's not that they're like forty bucks I mean, each. I'm in the process of trying to get an actual human skull, and even that would be only five hundred. Yeah, I'm trying to teach it to talk. Good. I want a talking human skull. I also just like weird dead things. What if we like put Alexa in it? My dot could probably fit under it. Like, it, it's... I want to get one with the full jawbone on it, which is part of the reason it's expensive. It's anywhere from 500 to $2,000, depending on quality, depending on uh, preservation, depending on how intact. So the... Uh, if I were to get one with the full jaw, it'd still be probably about a grand. Um, but it's, I could get it and then situate it and put it on top of my dot. Or like build like a, like a box for, to put the dot in and then put the skull on top of the box as like a stand. Yeah. And then just call your skull Alexa. But like, I can't, hmm. But you're like, I don't want to call my skull Alexa. I don't want to name my skull. My skull's got, my skull 
it's a real human. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to give it a name. I don't want to get a niche name. I, I just like, it's a real human skull. I just think it'd be something cool to own. And like my weird kind of macabre interests that would definitely fall under them. But I don't know. It's a possibility. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll probably own one one day just because I like weird dead things. Someone sent me a taxidermy, because I also like taxidermy. I don't know if you know this side of me, because most people don't. My weird, I like dead things side. No, I think I did. Um, the Someone sent me this taxidermy where they will do animals, but then give them realistic human faces. And I, I was like, oh my god, I want a mouse. <laughs> a mouse. I want like a rat, like a taxidermied rat with like a human face. It'd be so cool. And then the person who sent it to me was like, if you get that, I'm never coming over. <laughs> and I was like, I'm never speaking to I'm you again. I'm never going to see it. And I'm like, but it's so cool. But you don't understand. I don't know. I think it'd be neat. Having a little people, people rat. People mouse. People, people rat. Mouse. A little splinter. Yeah, I don't know. I gotta go to a more oddity shop. I'm going to Salem next weekend, so. Salem. Salem. They usually have a lot of salmon. That. They usually have a lot of that shit around there. Maybe I'll buy something stupid. Yeah. So, uh, we're Navi Tales, your local morbid podcast. Yes. Uh, my name is Josh. My name is Nick. And we actually talk about video game lore. Yeah. This week on Navi Tales, we are going to be covering Outlast. Actually, it's Outlast and Outlast Whistleblower. I decided to do both because Outlast 2's got enough for its own episode. Nice. So I did Outlast and it's a DLC. Yeah. Uh, which is great. great. Um, I know I've played those games a bunch. I've, uh, I've seen a lot of the first one. Uh, not as much of the second one. Back on the YouTube channel I used to do it, we played Outlast and that was, that was fun. I had plans to do Outlast too, but then I left the channel, so <laughs> I don't think they ever did it. Yeah. But uh, I played Outlast too personally, and I love that game way more than I should. Yeah, no, it was always I liked like what they did with it. Um, I'm just not a horror person, so I never went and picked it up. But um, I definitely, I definitely thought it was cool, like everything that, like mechanic wise and all that jazz. They really do a good job mechanically of making you feel stressed. Like, you need batteries and you need bandages. But, like, they space them out fucking perfectly. So that, like, I've never, I think, once in an Outlast game had a full... You can hold up to five batteries at a time. I don't think I've ever had all five. The highest I've had is four. Yeah. Most usually two or one. Like, it's just how it's set up. Because the batteries are for your camera which uses night vision. And uh, that's how you see. That is, for all intents and purposes, your flashlight. So uh, if you don't have that up in certain areas, you can't see dick. So it gets a... Literally. Yeah, you... Yeah, literally. <laughs> the game's hypergraphic. Hyper graphic. Like, I, I'm playing through Outlast 2 again right now. And I forgot at the very beginning, uh, you, the pilot of the helicopter you're in that crashes get strung up while you're unconscious so i'm just walking by and i'm like oh neat i forgot about this the guy's all fucked up 
And there's a penis. <laughs> and penis. And yeah. cue the penis. And penis. But, uh... Outlast the penis. Yeah, there's just penis all over that. I remember when we were doing the original one for the YouTube channel I was on, um, for editing, we used pictures of famous dicks. Uh, yeah, I remember that. So we used Dick Van Dyke, Richard Nixon. Like, we used all of those as the editing for the penises. The penis. The penis. But, uh, yeah, so that, that was fun. But if you haven't played these games, they're definitely good, and they're not cheap. I think even Outlast Two is only thirty bucks. Like, and like, there's a lot of there's a decent amount of content. So they are cheap. Oh yeah, sorry, did I say they aren't cheap? Yeah, you said you're like then they're not cheap. Oh no, they are cheap. Like oh, Outlast Two is only like thirty bucks, and that's like the newer of them. And I think it was thirty bucks at launch. That's dope. And it's a pretty decent amount of content for a game that's only thirty bucks. So yeah, I I. Fucking love these games. And the the voice acting and the dialogue is really fun. Outlast 2 is a lot more layered and only loosely connected to Outlast 1. We'll get to it. But, um, yeah, it's also based on, like, my favorite... One of my favorite topics, which is Jonestown. Because, again, we're a morbid podcast. Yeah. But Outlast 1 is more based on, like, asylum horror, which is neat. So, uh... It begins with Miles Upshur, a freelance journalist. Uh, he receives a tip-off from an uh, anonymous source about Mount Massive Asylum, a psychiatric hospital owned and operated by the Murkoff Corporation. That's really what tie Murkoff is really what ties one to, one and two together. Upon gaining entry to the asylum, he finds the bodies of the asylum staff strewn about the hallways and now escaped inmates known as the Variants roaming the grounds. Progressing through the upper dormitories, he encounters an impaled tactical officer who, in his dying moments, tells the journalist to get out of the asylum while he still can. Exiting the dormitories, Upshur is attacked by a powerful inmate named Chris Walker. Uh, if you know anything about this game, Chris Walker is your nightmare. He, I've always loved the fact that the big, scary, pig-looking guy that follows you, his name is Chris. It's great. It's just like it's so great. It's really humanizing of this. It's like how I've always liked that Jason Voorhees is called Jason Voorhees. Like his name's Jason. Yeah, J for short. Like it's go down to the like you have like down to the club with J. You get a fucking soda. Yeah, you have like Leatherface, Ghostface. You got Jigsaw, and then Jason. Even even uh Michael Myers, just Michael. Yeah, just Michael. I really like the humanizing of uh, horror movie characters. Uh, that's why Michael Myers will always be my favorite. But uh, so Chris Walker throws uh, Upshur through a window and down into the atrium. Uh, upon regaining consciousness, he encounters Father Martin, an inmate who believes he is a priest. Martin says Upshur was sent by God to be a witness to his cult and has to stay in the asylum and then departs as Upshur passes out again. But that, like that's always good. He did it in like that southern. Okay, so a little background on me. My dad's a preacher. My dad's a Baptist minister uh, in New England, and because of that, I've always had a strange obsession when it comes to zealotous religious horror. I I don't know why, but it it really like I I get it. 
<laughs> I just get it. You I know? won't say that I like I'm not, and neither is my dad. But like we've known people throughout the years because my dad's been a pastor since he was in his twenties. He's sixty, so he's been a pastor forever. So he, uh, like, we've known crazy cult people, like in his time and even in my life, and it's really, really interesting. Uh, it's why cults have always fascinated me, and why like these really zealous religious type have always fascinated me. Uh, so like Father Martin talking about how you the face of God has brought you onto me, like talking like he's reading a Bible yeah. has always really fascinated me. So yeah, I've always dug it. I dig it. Um, awakening Upshur starts his attempt to find a way out of the building while he avoids attacks from Walker and other inmates. However, as he attempts to unlock the main doors from uh, security control, he is ambushed and sedated by Martin, who again states that he must remain in, at the asylum and witness the events there. Martin, Martin shows him uh, footage of the asylum's security forces being slaughtered by a mysterious, seemingly supernatural entity known as the Wall Rider, uh, before transporting a now unconscious Upshur to the asylum's holding cells. Ah, the wall rider. The wall rider. It's like, this game really suffers from deus ex machina syndrome. Uh, and the wall rider is what that is. Like, it's just super deus we're gonna We're gonna push the plot forward because of this entity. Because wall rider. Because wall rider. Um, uh, uh, da, 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 da. Upshur is forced to work his way upwards through the sewers after encountering a pair of inmates, the twins, who express a desire to kill and eat him. They also are just a shining example of full frontal male nudity. They just like dicks. But like they're insane, but really intelligent and refuse to wear clothes. Mm -hmm. But like they talk very elegantly to each other about eating your liver <laughs> and what they should eat it with. But like, they're also just like these like chubby guys with the dicks hanging out. So like, it's really jarring. Like the, they do jarring, I think is a good word for a lot of the things you encounter in this game. Like the, the really elegantly speaking naked men. Like <laughs> I, I was like, okay, this is weird. And I'm feeling it. <laughs> like, like kind of literally, I kind of want to feel it, but uh, no, no. I mean, <laughs> I mean, how they portrayed in the game. That I mean, they ain't tiny, dude. Like they packing. I mean, if you're gonna do it, you gotta make it scary. Definitely showers. Yeah, you gotta. It's got. It's it's like intimidation. Yeah. Like I like like, the, like if you see this big scary guy, he's got a small penis. You're gonna be like, I'm not scared of you. If he's if he's if he's packing, you'll be like. Shit, I gotta run away. Yeah, dude, homeboys are packing. So, like, it makes sense from, like, like an intimidation scary. And they're, like, they're, there's some characters that are, like, naked and nude, but, like, a lot of them are dead. Most, like, there's a lot of dead guys with uh, that are nude. But, like, there's one of the only living guys who are just regularly naked. And just, like, constantly. They never wear clothes. They just talk about eating your liver with like, or, or like eating your kidneys with like beans. But like, 
It's just weird. It's jarring, and I and I think it's supposed to be. It's supposed to yeah, kind of yeah. not. You don't see that a lot in video games, right? It's not more of like, boo, look at this. It's more of like, what the fuck am yeah. I looking at? Yeah, because when you see them, they're on the other side of a cage. At first, like you're in the the holding cells, and you like go up, and you're first off, you're freaking out because there are variants everywhere that are non-hostile. These are variants that Father Martin has brought there, and they're like pretty tame there's like one who's like bashing his head against a wall like they're and they're all fucked they're all cut up and have been surgically operated on yeah so like most of them have had their genitals removed uh some of them have no eyes they have like a flap of skin that has been put there instead of their eyes yum or yeah they're all they've had their lips removed like these variant variants are fucked up but um and then you go up to the top of this area and there's a cage and the twins are on the other side of the cage talking about eating your face. Like, I'm just like, what the fuck is this game? <laughs> what is happening? And this is like after I've already dealt with Chris Walker, who is like seven feet tall and is just trying to kill you. I just want you dead. They, they actually like it's explained why he's like. A, super strong. He's ex-military uh, and suffered from PTSD, which is how he ended up in the asylum. But he... They had... They were all experimented on. And we'll get to that. Yeah. But, it, uh, like, he's... In my opinion, Chris Walker isn't the bad guy. He's just trying to protect... Big man, protect. He's just more of a dog at he's this point. He's trying to protect his swamp. Yeah, he's... <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> he's just more of a dog at this point, which is why I really like Chris Walker. Um, So, the twins. Uh, however, the duo abstain from attacking for the moment as Martin has asked them not to harm the journalist. See, they can even be reasoned with. Like, in whatever fucked up reasoning Martin has with these guys. Yeah. Uh, Upshur makes his way through the sewers while avoiding attacks from hostile inmates, finally reaching the asylum showers. The shit was... Ooh, daddy. Weird. It's not even like everybody's naked anyway, so it's just like, it's just more naked, because yeah, showers... Uh, this, these showers were not used regularly. <laughs> you can tell. Yeah. Um, while attempting to escape through the showers, however, he is attacked yet again by Walker and escapes through the vent. Progressing further through the building, Upshur is soon chased into a corner by several inmates, but escapes through a dumbwaiter, only to be captured by one of the uh, asylum's now psychotic doctors, Dr. Rick Trager, who collects body parts of the inmates. Trager is my favorite character in this game. He's fucking hilarious. He is absolutely psychotic and isn't a patient. He's a doctor, but has just kind of lost his mind along with everyone else. Uh, and he is just so funny and so sarcastic. I resonate with him. <laughs> oh, he's also like fucked up too. He's been performing surgery on himself. Oh, good. Yeah, he he's like naked, wearing a a like apron and like surgical scrubs from the head up. But he's also like bald and his eyes are all fucked up and his skin looks like like a like a ghoul from Fallout. But he's just like this really sarcastic asshole. 
it's it's really interesting. I Traeger makes me laugh every time I play through this game. And then he does like the fucked up things like we're about to read. Traeger imprisons Upshur, strapping him to into a wheelchair and slices off two of his fingers using a large pair of shears. That's a brutal scene. Cuz you don't cuz you don't need those. Yeah, he kind of says that. He goes, "You got others." <laughs> So he and then he I'm gonna just take a couple. And then he cuts off your ring finger on your left hand and your pointer finger on your right hand. And then uh throws them in a sink and walks away. And then you're able to like get loose and then you look in the mirror and then vomit. But like when he cuts off your things, the screen gets really blurry and tense. I was like, that's a good way of showing pain. <laughs> yeah. Like I mean, it's kind of like like any game when you take damage and the screen like is affected. Yeah, but this is like usually it's the the outside you want to keep like generally two thirds of your screen viewable. Mm. Uh, that's how most games are. That's why a HUD works the way it does. That's why every you want to keep generally two thirds viewable. When you get your fingers cut off, you can't see shit. Like it's, I was just like, wow, this is intense. And then like you vomit just from the pain and having puked from pain before in my life. Not fun. <laughs> no. No, it is not. Uh, Upshur manages to escape, and, cha- and a chase ensues, followed by a struggle when Upshur pulls uh, Trigger into a moving elevator and crushes him between floors. So bummed when he died. I really <laughs> loved this character. I was like, I loved this character so much, I was hoping he would take the place of Walker, or like it would end up with like Trigger fighting Walker. Or something along those lines. But no, you just, like, there's just this one part where you're on Traeger's territory. And you just have to murder him. Yeah, it's always sad when, like, an interesting character gets killed off way too early. It's not even way too early. They they do a good job killing him off. And, and Traeger kind of, he, he stayed his welcome. He was, he was welcome. And, like, they killed him at a good part and everything. I was just like... You didn't kill him too early, but I kind of wish you didn't kill him. <laughs> <laughs> kind of wish you didn't do it at all. Um, encountering Martin again, Upshur exits onto the asylum grounds, but he is chased back inside by the wall rider, revealing to be a ghost-like being, which Upshur can only see with the naked eye and while using the camera's night vision. Uh, it's a pain finding the wall rider in places. Uh, especially when every time I'm at this point in the game, I'm pretty much out of batteries. <laughs> so I'm just like running around trying to avoid the wall rider in the pitch black dark outside. Uh, he's forced to circumnavigate the ruined staircase stairway to access different floors of the building by following a trail of blood Martin left for him to follow. Oh yeah. When you like go to the next area in blood, it's written, follow the blood and just a trail. I was like, Whose blood is this? Where are you getting all this blood? Um, Upshur finally locates Martin in the asylum's chapel to witness the latter's death. Self-immolation on a crucifix before mm. uh, taking the now-repaired primary elevator down. Yeah, there's a bunch of naked people there, too, who just are there to watch Martin crucify himself and set himself on fire. Good. It's a big naked party. Yeah. Uh, Martin tricks Upshur, however, and instead of taking him to the exit, the elevator takes him to the underground military facility beneath the asylum. Because that's there. 
Uh, while searching for an exit, Upshur is chased by the wall rider and finds Walker on the other side of a door he runs through who incapacitates him. That scene had me fucked up. This entire time now, the wall, ri- uh, the wall rider's chasing you and you're like, it's really hard and like there's just this ghost thing chasing you. So you go through like this door face to face with Chris Walker. And I went, oh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I got the wall rider back there and now you in front of me. Um, the, uh, before Walker can kill the journalist, the wall rider attacks and brutally kills the inmate before leaving. Upshur proceeds into the facility and meets Dr. Wernick, uh, originally believed to be dead, the scientist in charge of the entire experiment known as Project Wall Rider. Wernick explains that the wall rider is a result of nanotechnology experiments conducted on the, on an innate uh, inmate called Billy Hope, and that the Wall Rider is controlled by Hope. Wernick orders Upshur to find Hope in the la- in the laboratory and kill him by shutting off his life support system, thus killing the Wall Rider. After completing this task, Upshur is caught by the Wall Rider, who brutally beats and possesses him. Limping towards the exit, he is confronted by Wernick, who is accompanied by several armed guards who repeatedly shoot Upshur. As Upshur collapses to the floor, the screen fades to black and Wernick's voice is heard as he realizes Upshur has become the Wall Rider's new host. Panic's gunfighter screams and mauling sounds are then heard briefly before the credits roll. Yeah, so... That's fun. <laughs> that's fun. You're now the Wall Rider. You're now the Wall Rider. Um, so now we're gonna talk about the... Uh, whistleblower DLC, which involves a completely different character. Waylon Park is a software engineer working at Mount Massive Asylum for the Murkoff Corporation. After several encounters working directly with the morphogenic engine and witnessing the torture that Eddie Gluskin endured, he decides to send an email to Miles Upshur uh, reporting on the corruption of Mount Massive. Uh, shortly after sending it, he is caught by his employer, uh, Jeremy Blair. As a punishment, Blair has Park committed and forced to endure the tests of the morphogenic engine. However, after the wall rider breaks free and begins causing... Oh, this is a prequel. Uh, after the wall rider breaks free and begins causing chaos at Mount Massive, uh, Park manages to escape his restraints, taking a camcorder with him. He roams the facility as surviving guards and personnel try to escape from the newly freed prisoners, trying to find a radio that he can use to contact the authorities. During this time, he constantly, uh, consistently eludes a bearded cannibalistic prisoner named Frank Manera, who wields a mechanical circular saw blade and tries to kill him in many ways, including trapping him in a furnace. What do you think he is, a hunter? I think he thinks he's a hunter of men. <laughs> the hunter of men. Just as Park manages to find a radio, Blair appears and destroys it, insisting that no one can reveal the secret of Mount Massive. He leaves Park to die at the hands of Chris Walker, only for Park to escape. Park eventually wanders into a secluded area of the vocational block where a variant by the name of Dennis, inflicted with dissociative identity disorder, captures and offers him as a sacrifice to a a prisoner named Eddie Gluskin, whom he calls the Groom. While initially eluding Gluskin, Park falls into an elevator shaft and gets uh, a piece of debris lodged into his right shin, reducing him to a limp. 
Parker is eventually captured, where he discovers how Gluskin repeatedly tortures and mutilates male prisoners' genitals, treating them like his brides, before brutally killing them. He attempts to kill Park in the same way, but Park manages to escape at the last second with the help of another prisoner who attacks, who attacks Gluskin. After Gluskin kills the other prisoner and returns uh, to kill Park by hanging him in a gymnasium full of hanging bodies. Park puts up uh, enough resistance so that Gluskin is caught up in the multiple ropes of his pulley system and eventually impaled by a loose wooden beam. Yeah, you meet the real dredgers of the society in this. As daylight finally breaks, Park continues through the asylum, discovering that Murkoff's paramilitary forces have already arrived at the scene and are killing every person they see. Park manages to elude them as they are all killed by the wall rider and then makes it up the main atrium. Uh, this is now no longer a prequel. Now we have converged into... Taking place during and after. So, like, you're in a completely different part of the asylum while all this is going on. There he finds a wounded Blair lying against the front door and pleading for help. However, as Park approaches, Blair stabs him in the stomach with a glass shard, declaring that no one can know the truth. But before he can deliver the finishing blow, he's attacked and killed by the wall rider. Park staggers out the open front door and past the, paramilitar- uh, past the military vehicles towards a red jeep waiting by the security gate, which is the jeep that... Upshur arrives in. Uh, as Park enters the jeep and starts it up, he notices a dark figure. Mile Upshur's wall rider sustained broken body slowly exiting the asylum with a dark mist surrounding it. He manages to escape and slam through the entry gate just as the figure exits the asylum. In the epilogue scene, a fully recovered Park has gotten in contact with a leaking organization to submit his secret information on Murkoff to. Park is sitting at a laptop with the video file of all his recorded video from the asylum, ready to be uploaded to the internet. A man associated with the leaking website standing in front of his desk informs him that it will be more than enough evidence to ruin the Murkoff Corporation, but warns Park that doing so will result in Murkoff doing everything it can to punish him in return, including threatening his family. Despite some initial hesitation, Park ultimately decides to take the risk and uploads the video as the credits roll over the closed laptop. The end. So that's the end of the asylum part of Outlast. Yeah. Um, Murkoff doesn't go away. Uh, Murkoff is what ties the two games together, as I've said before. Because you, this sounds, if you play Outlast 2 and don't know anything about Outlast 1, they will feel like almost unrelated games. The gameplay elements are still there. Like, you're still using the camera and everything, but you won't be able to find out why this is a sequel unless you really dive deep, which if you don't want to, we will for you in the future. Yeah, we got you. But the, uh, yeah, the Murkoff is really what ties everything together because the next game really dives into the whole crazy religious leader thing. Yeah. A lot of religion in that one. I like it a lot. But like, Fucking... I was doing, um, I was playing Outlast 2 with a, a couple friends, and I was doing, reading the, the verses of Noth, the, the main uh, antagonist in, in 2, is a, his name is Father Noth. I was reading the verses of Noth in my very, like, 
southern preacher voice, like talking about the lustful emissions. Like it was just so much fun. Yeah, it was fucking crazy shit. Does the uh, does the wall rider have anything to do with two? Because like he kind of just like fucking wanders off. I don't know. Uh, I, part of that I know Murkoff does, but the wall rider's still out there. Uh, I have some theories, and I think other people do too. If the wall rider is at all in Outlast Two, but I want to tackle those theories when we do Outlast Two. Yeah, no, that's fine. Because there's a very religious element to Outlast Two that I think can be explained with the wall rider. Okay. That makes sense. So we'll tackle that when we get to it. But and it's it's that is very theoretical. Like that yeah, it's yeah, never yeah. it's never explicitly said. Yeah. But it's my theory. So uh yeah. That's that's Outlast and Outlast Whistleblower. Um great games. Cheap games. Pick them up. They're fun. Play them with a couple friends if you're a big pussy. Uh, or if your friends are big pussies, because that's why I always end up playing horror games with friends. I really want to see the story, John. Right now I'm playing Outlast 2, like, in bed before I go to sleep. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm fine with that, but, like, I have friends who are like, I really want to see the story, Josh. Can you play it? I don't want to play it. Can you play it? And I'm just like, I guess these games are really fun, but, like, you can only play Outlast 1 so many times before it gets a little bit boring. Yeah. Like, you've seen the story. You've seen the cool parts already. Like, you're good. Yeah. Like, you know what's coming. Like, the the replay value for these games ain't too great, but, like, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, But, uh, like, I like to end every episode. Like, we. I don't know why what I'm... What is this I shit? Yeah, what's this I shit? This is our podcast. Like, we like to end every episode. Nick, what have you been playing? I've been playing some Monster Hunter because they're doing a spring event, which has its own shit. You get some, uh, you get some like armor that I don't really give a shit about because it's not that great. So I haven't gotten it yet, but you can get um a variant of the Great Sword, I believe, that I th- think so, uh, like a fan designed. Oh, that's neat. I'm not 100 percent sure on that, so don't quote me on it. So I got that, even though I don't really main great swords. I just got it because like this is the time to get it, and it looked cool. Mm. And I think it's really, it's actually pretty good. But they're also, uh, along with the the spring related events, they've brought back every event that they previously have done. So they brought back the Horizon Zero Dawn events. So I missed the the first one where you get the Watcher. Um, outfit for the Polico, mm. so I went and got that. Uh, they also put up the Mega Man event, where you can make your Polico look like Mega Man, and the event is great because as soon as you start the quest, um, the Mega Man start music plays. Oh, and that's then, awesome! And then throughout the entire uh, rest of the quest, the uh, Mega Man like Mega Man like music is playing. I don't know if it's pulled from anything because I don't have the fucking soundtracks memorized. It probably is because it, I mean they're both made by Capcom, right? Um, but yeah, so like the, the there's like Mega Man esque uh, 
esque music playing the entire time. And it was really cool. And, oh, now, that's and now I'm running around with my Pelico looking like Mega Man and he's shooting. Are you going to do the Ryu, the, the Street Fighter quest? I didn't see it up. So I don't know oh. if I still can't do it because I don't have Street Fighter Five data on my PS4. Oh, that I don't might know if be it's why. still like Because initially, the reason why I didn't do it the first night, because I had the game when it, they first did that event, but it was locked behind that restriction. Um, or else I would 100% get the Ryu. Outfit. Yeah, run around as Ryu and just Hadouken things. Yeah. Um, and then I'm playing a little bit more Overwatch, just more of the, the event that's going on. There was, um, I did a bunch of, they did a 6v6 deathmatch mode. Um, cool. So they've had deathmatch mode, but they did, they added 6v6 competitive. So I did competitive play some matches for that. And uh, we're just playing for that just because. Just because. Just because. It was fun. I liked it. It's different. Um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, I've been playing a little bit of Outlast 2, uh, as I was saying when we were talking about video game lore. Uh, I am currently doing a new playthrough of Darkest Dungeon, because, well, not a new playthrough. My main team wiped out because I ran into the, for lack of a better term, uh, Yellow King. There's this guy who goes around, at soul something or other, who wears all yellow and a cage on his head that looks like a Mensis cage. And uh, he can randomly appear in literally any dungeon. He's fucking hard. And, and he murdered my main team, who was not at all geared for this. So uh, I had to do a new one. However, I accidentally went into a boss dungeon with what I thought was my healer plague doctor. Uh, what it turned out to be was my attack plague doctor, so I had no healer. Uh only one person died, yeah. which isn't that bad. My jester died, but like my jester was level one, so I wasn't really yeah. that worried about it. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was like, oh, wow, that went way better than I thought. It's because I'd never played Crimson Court, uh, and Crimson Court is the DLC for uh, Darkest Dungeon, and it, it adds a couple new classes. So I was using a flagellant for the first time, and holy shit, the damage output on that guy. Not only does he have crazy damage out, but his bleed rate is so high. Like, he just walks up to people and just, like, whips himself in the back, and suddenly they take a shitload of damage <laughs> and are bleeding. I was like, okay. Sure, sure. So I was using a flagellant for the first time, and I fucking dug it. Like, normally I like to keep an abomination on my team, but abominations can't work with certain people. Certain classes uh, don't work with an abomination because they are an abomination and the religious classes will not work with them. And a flagellant is a religious class in this. And um, I don't give a shit, dude. I'm keeping this flagellant on my team. Oh, shit. Like, an abomination's got some crazy damage output. But when it transforms, it makes everyone on your team stressed and stress is a pain in the ass. So... You just downloaded Darkest Dungeon. Yeah, that's why I didn't mention it. I very, very rarely played it. Uh, barely played it. I'll probably talk about it next week when I have more time with it. Although God of War is coming out, so maybe not. <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, I'm still going to have time with that because I usually play it before I go to bed. Yeah. I'll play a little bit of that and a uh, little bit of the final game that I still play, which is Splatoon 2. Uh, I'm about to finish the campaign for that. Uh, the internet in my room has been real shit lately, so I haven't been playing it online as much. Uh, so I've been playing the campaign, uh, which is a lot of fun uh, now that I'm really into it. Uh, it's pretty much what uh, Splatoon 1's was with a different story. 
Uh, I'm really looking forward to what they do with the DLC with the Octolings, but that's not coming out till the summer. Um, so um, I'm I wanted to finish the main campaign before then. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. So then I can play as the Octoling and not feel weird. Yeah. But yeah, so I am uh, currently finishing up the campaign and that and playing online when I get the chance. Uh, I have currently covered the Pyramid of Giza in ink. Good. There's like a somewhere where you can check your stats on that. Like how much you have. How much ink you've shot. How much ink you've shot. Yeah. Uh, and right now I have covered the Great Pyramid of Giza. Hmm. Along with other, I'm way past that tier at this point. But yeah, I haven't. I wonder what the like the one. max tier they have is. The planet, I bet. I haven't checked, but that'd be cool. Yeah, I was gonna say like I wonder if they like get into like moons and planets. Oh, that'd be so cool! Like you've covered the entire moon in ink. Yeah, and then when I do play online at this point, I'm just I'm trying to level up the kind of unique gear I have. Uh, and then uh, I just am picking up pretty cool guns, trying to get every gun in the game. But yeah, so between Darkest Dungeon and Splatoon 2, I've been having a blast on my Switch. But uh, yeah, like Nick said, we are recording this the day before God of War comes out. Um, and uh, there's no fucking way that's not going to steal my soul. Oh, yeah. I have a half day at work tomorrow, too. Oof. Yeah, I'm off at, I'm off at 12. I got to go meet with a guy at 1. But after I meet with that guy, I'm going to just play God of War. Actually, I should make sure my PlayStation downloaded it. So that when midnight hits, the key just turns. Yeah. So I'm gonna pick it up hard copy because that's just how I am. But I almost always buy digital at this point. But it, which triggers my dad when it comes to these games. Yeah, because he can't take it. Because he you. can't take my games. <laughs> but he was. Uh, I was like, sorry, I bought it digitally. You're not gonna be able to borrow it. He's like, that's fine. I'm gonna buy Spider Man, and you're not gonna be able to borrow it. And I go, that's fine. I'm probably gonna buy that digitally too. <laughs> I think it's yeah, get petty with me, old man. You can do this all day. But yeah, the uh, so that's all I've been playing. Yeah, yeah, same. The real reason I got big into Darkest Dungeon again is because I've been doing. I've been on a real Plague Doctor kit kick, like trying, like diving into the history of that along with uh like what they believed in like and why they they believed in like the humors and things and like trying to like get into that mindset i kind of want to write a two books one where it is about the uh outbreak of the plague in spain which is really where the plague doctors as we know them kind of were there and kind of dealing with the issues with uh the person who created the Plague Doctor kind of thought germ theory existed, but it, he wasn't 100%, and no one believed him. So I want to deal with a Plague Doctor who also kind of believes in that, and then write it from his perspective, like of, uh, and call it certainty and ignorance. Uh, hold up, hold up. TM, 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 mine. Um, <laughs> Do not take. Uh, and I also want to write a... Uh, a alternate future where germ theory was never discovered uh, and we still believed in the humors and how plague runs rampant through that. That'd be yeah, so that'd be, cool. That'd be really interesting. Yeah. That'd be really, really interesting how like the, we deal with the plague and everything. It'd be really cool. But that would involve a lot of research that I don't have the time for. Yeah. Yeah, it really would. 
but because uh, like I'd have to understand germ theory theory and what it affects to ignore germ theory and what it affects. <laughs> yeah, you're like you know what I mean. Like yeah, I have yeah, to yeah. completely understand it to yeah. unwrite it. Right, exactly. So it's just hard, but I kind of want to do it still. Um, but yeah, so there's a plague doctor class in uh, Darkest Dungeon, and I was like, ah, fuck it, you're gonna be on all my teams, <laughs> like, so. Uh yeah, so so that's it. Uh check us out on social media. We are on both Twitter and Instagram at Navi underscore Tales. Again, that is at Navi underscore Tales. Send us pictures of your plague doctors. Um Yeah, that's it. Yeah. We good. Until next time. See you then. Love you. Bye. Upon gaining entry to the asylum, he finds the bodies of the asylum staff strewn about strewn. Strewn. Hey, give me that strewn. <sighs> a sacrifice to a prisoner named uh, Eddie, Gulsk Gul Eddie Gulskin. Gluskin. 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 Mm, yeah. Park eventually wanders into a secluded area. <laughs> Thank you. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Nobody fucking asked you. Oh, fuck. Okay. Park is eventually captured where he discovers how uh, Gluskin repeatedly tortures and mutilates male prisoners. Genitalia's Genitalia. Show me your genitals. <laughs> your genitals. Ooh, show me your genitals. Your genitalia. <laughs> Women are stupid and I don't respect them. <laughs> That's right. I just have sex with them. Show me your genitals. Your genitals. Nothing will blow my mind more than when I started watching The League. Because I watched The League with one of my roommates. Which is a show about fantasy football. Yeah. But like, you don't need to know anything about fantasy football to enjoy the league. And then the, the younger brother of one of the main characters, his name is Taco, and I went, where do I know you from? It's this, and then I, like, I was like, holy shit, it's the show me a genitals guy! <laughs> I lost it. I was like, Taco's the show me your genitals guy! <laughs> do the thing! Yo, fucking, I watched Shady open uh, a first edition sealed original box of like the red blue of like the Blastoise Charizard and Venusaur packs. Mm. God damn. He was like, he like went like that and he was like, it was $2,000. It was $20,000. Was that how much he paid? No, that's how much it was like worth. He, so he, what he said was when he first started YouTube and like started becoming successful on it, he bought a sealed box of of packs of first edition, all first edition of like the original cards, and he was like, "This was my like, I made it," and like he had it, and then like he was he was like, "Oh, now I'm I'm looking to I've been looking to sell it because like I need the money for personal reasons, like I um and stuff like that." Um, so he was trying to sell the box sealed, obviously, because you get more, mm. but nobody. He couldn't find anybody that wanted it, so he was. So his second thing he was gonna do was open it and then sell the packet. The packs like not opened. Yeah. 
um, and whoever wanted to buy like however many Charizard packs, how many Venusaur packs, right. whatever, would do it. Um, so he did a video of him opening the box, but and then like sealing and like putting the the packs and like protective things to be sold. Um, and it was like he was, he like ripped open the plastic of the box that was like the shrink wrap of the box and like ripped it a bit. He's like, there you go, twenty thousand dollars out the door. <laughs> God. I was like, that's fucking insane. I, w- I could never. 